Hello, everyone, and welcome to the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Hugh Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, how have you been? Oh, man, not too bad. Uh, it's been a pretty uh, pretty decent week, all things considered. Uh, you know, quite a bit of MLR news to kind of get to. I know also um, super cool last week having Jamie McKenzie on for the 100th episode. Uh, we didn't really talk about it all that much, but it's kind of crazy to the fact that we've made 100 of these. Um, you know, it's uh, in, I guess, when did we started 2019 going through uh we started at a weird time. It was like halfway. you started in 2019. Yeah, I started in 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You came on early. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like we started it like halfway through the season. I think like you know, probably even more than that. I think I think like the arrows were like handedly like at home by the time I think we actually me and Dan actually started that. Um, so like it's it's kind of cool that it's hit it's a hundred and I mean kind of even just like kind of looking back at like past episodes and stuff we've had a lot of like cool guests on and you know it's been a it's been a pretty pretty fun ride though so it's cool even uh you know I guess uh anchor like I guess um you know with the the you know the place that we kind of used to like put the podcast up to the world it had like one of those like Spotify wrapped things and apparently there's a few people that were like their number one podcast for so I've no idea who those people are, but uh, but thank you. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, right. And uh, also, I guess we got to give a shout out to Dan because Dan left our podcast after starting it. And his reason was that he was going to have a, uh, a baby soon. And that baby, Theodore, was born. I can't remember when he said sometime this past week. So, this past weekend, yes. Um, yeah, this past weekend. So yeah, and already is- showing him uh, showing him rugby games. So. Theodore is apparently a big rugby fan already. Yeah, well, well, like we said, Theodore, um, name of uh, Dan's new son, um, he's doing well, as is um, the mother cat. Uh, again, congratulations to Dan and the now extended family. Um, all the arrows need to do now is start uh, making uh, baby onesies and having uh, headphones, well, noise canceling <laughs> earphones, so you can bring him along to a few games. I think that's only fair. Yeah, there you go. What is what is the appropriate age to bring a child to a rugby game? Like for uh, the first well, time. I say the sooner the better. They're not gonna know what's going on. Like, yeah, like like you're oh you're you're from Wales, so you're like if yeah. they can breathe, they go. Yes. It's like, yeah, Good. like it's like you go from the hospital to like Millennium Stadium or something, right? I'm yeah. assuming that's what happened to you, right, Stu? Uh the Millennium wasn't built when uh I oh, was born. all right. Well, I don't. Okay, so what stadium? What stadium did they play at before? I'm assuming that's the. Na- it was a national stadium, but a obviously stadium? it was a case of um, every baby in Wales once they're born comes out, and then you have to pass them. To the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how like the doctors like move you through like the different yeah. units in the hospital. The hospital's actually inside the rugby stadium. Yeah, like Alan Wynn Jones, right? If you're born in Wales yesterday, Alan Wynn Jones is actually your doctor. That's just how it works in Wales. All right, medical uh, marvels aside, we need to talk about that because it's been two weeks worth of news that uh, has passed. Because obviously, we're talking to Jamie, so enthralled in uh, his story that uh, we didn't actually bring up any of the news. So let's get to it, and we're going to be starting with the Toronto Arrows. So with the Arrows, there have been some coaching changes. The big news being that Peter Smith has been promoted to head coach. 
Um, now we all know that Aaron Carpenter has mutually agreed with the Arrows to leave earlier this season. Um, so joining as the forwards and set piece coach will be Francisco Deformes, a Chilean player who um, has done coaching in New Zealand. And that means that Chris Silverthorne, the previous head coach, has now transitioned to director of player development. Uh, so Derek, what do you make of this news that Peter Smith being promoted to head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, it's like I know you kind of said with that intro that we um, didn't really talk about a whole lot of news last week when we were interviewing Jimmy McKenzie, but we did get him to touch on the Arrows offseason up until the uh, up until this point, and you know that was the week that the the announcement of the uh, the coaching change kind of or the coaching changes kind of came down. Although I feel like it's like one of those things that we kind of knew it was coming because we got the news of uh, you know Chris Silverthorne kind of. Um, we knew that Chris Silverthorne would be taking a different role with the team a while back of that came, that came out. Right. Time is a weird construct. I don't even remember how long ago that was. Time is a flat circle. Yeah, exactly. But it was a, uh, it was earlier in this off season where, um, where that kind of that information um, came out. But um, you know, I think the one thing that really kind of sticks out is Jamie McKenzie is really the first player that I think we've had a chance to talk to since the coaching change. And um, you know, he was really excited to see that Peter Smith um, was going to be the, um, was going to be the new head coach, right? So, um, I think you know, obviously, you know, we've seen kind of the attacking structure that he has deployed for the Toronto Arrows in the past seasons, and it's a you know when it when it's clicking, it's a fun, exciting brand of rugby. And you know, you have a um, with Smith too, right? It's like you have you have a guy that's won an MLR championship, right? He was part of that inaugural Seawolf squad um, that you know took home a title in the first season, right? So having those, having like that type of guy that understands like what it takes to win, not only you know, not only just win like in general, but win specifically in Major League Rugby. Um, to have him on the coaching staff already has been an asset. So I mean, he can kind of bring that to the head coaching head coaching position. I think. You know, by all accounts, whether you're talking to players or, you know, everybody else within the Arrows actual staff, um, I've honestly, I've heard nothing but glowing reviews for everything that Peter Smith does from like, you know, the way he thinks about the game to just like his preparation and, you know, how he how he goes about just um, his interactions with players and, you know, and things like that. Right. It's like it's it's never been anything but positive. So it's it's great to see that he's kind of advancing in his coaching career. Um, he, as the arrows, uh, he, according to America's rugby news too, uh, just 33 years old, he's going to be the, uh, the youngest head coach in major league rugby too. Right. So, oh, um, I that's, didn't know that. yeah. So that's, uh, that kind of shows like, you know, how, and I mean, he only, like he, like I said, he was playing in 2018, right. So he's already gone from, you know, being an assistant in that short, short time, right. From an assistant coach to head coach in major league rugby. Um, and you know, obviously being, being a young coach too, it's like, that's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of room to, to still grow and develop. Right. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, and it's exciting time for the Toronto arrows and it's a, you know, exciting time for Peter Smith taking that this next step in his career, look forward to seeing what he does with, uh, while kind of being at the helm of the squad here. So, um, also kind of interesting too, like, it is interesting seeing like, um, like Chris Silverthorne going to director of player development and, you kind of um, looking at the arrows press release, um, you know, it says that, uh, you know, it's, it's quoted it's saying uh, Chris can now focus on absolutely crucial role in identifying Canadian players for our roster in the next cycle of MLR and national team duty. Um, 
which is kind of cool because that almost sort of that sentence almost vaguely sounds like a scout um, in a really. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, like in a, kind of in like vague, vague sort of terms, right? And we know that um, that's been one of the things that the Arrows and Rugby Canada have kind of been focusing on lately is, you know, how to grow, I guess, how to grow that ability to identify younger players and, you know, get them into academies or get them into, um, you know, whatever programs and stuff that they need in order to develop the actual talent as players. So to me, it, it almost seems like the Arrows kind of who have already done a great job in setting up an academy um right like continue to uh seem to be continuing to kind of take those extra steps to developing that young canadian talent so that's really good um and then obviously you got the new guy um francisco de formas um as you said from uh from chile uh initially he's played pro in europe he's most recently been coaching um he's been in hawks bay um in new zealand they won a championship last year so um, he's, he's coming fresh off a ship right now. So it's a, it's not bad. Um, and, uh, he was the scrum coach down there. Obviously he's coming over being the forwards and set piece coach here. Um, really kind of an interesting thing that I would encourage, um, all fans to do is actually a very recently, like in October, he did an interview on a podcast called the wandering bear sports podcast. Um, and it's literally just him and the host of the show talking about how to coach scrums and like how to, uh, how to like prepare a team, like for like how to prepare the players in the scrum for games, kind of different sort of philosophies and stuff on like how to go about approaching scrums, different strategies within the scrum. And it's actually like, if you're kind of into like some of that extra, like tactical stuff on rugby, um, it's actually super interesting to listen to because they talk, they kind of go into detail on like everything from just like how to arrange your practice to like the different ways like the locks can bind that and how that impacts the the front row and like w- how you actually like study film to kind of see what the opposing team scrum can do like before a game and stuff and you know even like trying to figure out based on the players that you have what's going to be like the best way to like arrange the players like in like the scrum and stuff too like just as far as like heights and you know different weights and heights and how everything all kind of matches up for certain players um so kind of a super uh super interesting uh super kind of interesting one it's interesting just to hear a coach kind of talk about the scrum because i feel like the scrum to people that haven't played to like especially to like new fans and stuff to people that haven't really played rug or haven't played rugby or kind of coming in and watching major league rugby becoming new rugby fans i feel like the, the scrum is kind of one of those areas where it's it is kind of difficult to explain sometimes um yeah. difficult to explain like kind of what's going on in there and i think you know i would recommend do, listening to it for anybody that is out there um where like it it does kind of give you a little bit of insight as to like what like coaches specifically are kind of looking for and like what they would consider a good scrum and uh and it's coming right and it's coming from the new arrows forwards and set piece coach right so i would imagine that many of the philosophies and the ideas that he has um especially around like practice and just like how to approach the scrum i would imagine he's going to be um trying to implement with the toronto arrows this uh you know as uh, training camp begins going into a uh, training camp begins and then going into obviously the preseason and um 
you know, all of the 2022 season, I would imagine there's a, you know, he's going to be implementing quite a bit of those ideas. So, um, I guess, uh, do you have anything to add to that, Stu, about uh, Smith, uh, Deformis, Silverthorne kind of changing, um, or any of the other any of the other positions that were kind of announced? We got Hector coming back still, um, Lozada still, uh, the, you know, as the performance analyst, uh, uh, John Gillis returning as the head physician, Neil McDougal back as the team manager, Sean Harrison and Scott Shannon back as the strength and conditioning coach and head athletic therapist respectively as well anything uh well i think you missed uh mr rob howley will be returning to the club as a oh, consultant i didn't miss well. him i'm just letting you give your shout out to your uh-huh. brother absolutely um sure perfect recovery um so yeah i think um now chris silverthorne has been with the team since the start he's obviously well, he has i mean so many of these from... guys too have been uh, all the way through like the oh yeah Ontario blues but, uh, and stuff too. like even he, he's the been team. the head honcho he's been the yeah. guy making the calls and stuff like that and now um you know we'd heard rumors it was posted on like america's rugby news with the mlr off-season updates that he was looking at a more um behind the scenes approach role and i was saying at the time well you know director of rugby is such a vague term Mm -hmm. that this director of player development could kind of be seen as a in the vagueness of director i mean they both have director in the title so i'm already halfway there um at the same time as in i think that it's good that this has finally come out now because it was kind of like i said it was um posted on like America's rugby news. It was um, mentioned on like social media and Reddit and, you know, having it confirmed as like, this is the, this is now the head coach. This is mm-hmm. uh, the backs coach. This will be the forwards and set piece coach. These are the people who are returning. Cause obviously we found out that Aaron Carpenter and the arrows had um, agreed to mutually part ways mm-hmm. before this came out. So and, and, you know, it's it's one of the things of, like, when nothing's going on, it's just like, oh, maybe it could be this, or maybe it could be that. I, I honestly had an interaction on Reddit of, of um, someone saying that, oh, yeah, these two people didn't get along well. And I was like, well, one of them wasn't in Atlanta for the entire season, and one of them was. So unless it was a Zoom call that went wrong, I, I don't believe that. I think I know what you're talking about. And like, yeah. yeah, apparently a lot of that was just nonsense. If yeah. I, I think I know what and, you're the post. And, and also, and also one of the things of saying, because I think what a lot of the issues that everyone had was just being in Atlanta for yeah, like, all that time. But someone was saying that, oh, this happened. Oh, you know, Chris lost the locker room. And they go, oh, when did he lose the locker room? Oh, it was at the end of the season. So after being in Atlanta for 16 weeks. Yeah, it's just... any anyway. No, as um, obviously Chris Silverthorne has respect of um, everyone within the Arrows, and obviously, other, otherwise, he wouldn't still be with the Arrows in this role. Um, so I think, as Bab, you mentioned, um, you know, Peter Smith, he's been on a winning team in MLR, he's hopefully gonna be the youngest head coach to lift the shield as well at the end of the 2022 <laughs> season as well. Um, and, you know, as in, I mean, 
let's let's be it. Like the Seawolves, they've had three head coaches in a season. So oh having having a new head coach after three seasons, I saw, you know, I, it's it's all relative. It's all I, yeah. Like I mean, I think throughout the history of MLR, like I mean, you get whether it's the coaching staff or the players, the Arrows have had the best continuity. Yeah, or like personnel retention. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and like, I, and I think that really. And it, it is, and I think that's why it. it's great too to see like what I do really like about the fact that Peter Smith is the new head coach, um, especially one because like you heard it when we were talking to Jamie McKenzie last week, right? And like he was talking about how much you know he liked having Peter Smith as a coach. Yeah, right? like he, you know, through the past like two years or whatever, and um. You know what I mean? And it's like you can kind of promote from within. And it's like the players already have familiarity with them, right? Yeah. They probably, you know, they probably know what he expects from like a training session or from a practice or from a workout or, you know, what he expects when like, you know, watching film or anything, right? And it's like he probably knows, you know, all the expectations that they probably have as a team and how they want to perform. It's like the players already have an idea probably of like how he wants to run a team. Right. And yeah, you know, it's like promoting from within can be a good thing. Right. And it's, yeah. Um, I think like even like LA did that too. Right. It's like they, they bumped the assistant coach up to the, uh, the head coach once. Uh, and they, and they bumped up a former yeah. player to uh, assistant. Yeah, coach, exactly. So. It's like, you kind of, if you're, if you're having like, I mean, familiarity I, helps. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's, I think it's good. And I think it's the way to go like in that, re- in that regard too. And it's, like I mean, the Seawolves, the Seawolves are kind of interesting because they had so many issues with their coaches, and kept winning for two like the first two years of the MOR. Right? They found, you know, despite some of the issues that they had getting, you know, with the coaching staff, they found ways to win. But you know, they had a pretty bad twenty twenty. Um, I mean, even before, and I'm saying that even like the first five games that they played in 2020 were pretty bad. Um, yeah, they only won one of those games. Yeah, and then and then, they, and then lost the last game. And then like what? They were one of the worst teams in the league last year. And yeah, sure. like you know, if it wasn't for the fact that they the Houston's in their division, like they would have probably been the worst team in the league last year. But um, you know, and I think, uh, but like. I don't know. It looks like it looks like they're kind of set, starting to set the ship right out there as well, too. Hopefully they got a I mean, because they got Clark out there now. So it's like maybe that's a little bit more of a long term. Um, you actually understand who your coach is going to be for the full season yeah, kind of situation. But um, either way, I feel like the, the bit of a tangent here, but um, ultimately, yeah, kind of uh, happy, happy with what the, uh, the arrows have announced from their coaching staff so far. So um uh, we'll see what ha- we'll see uh, how it goes in the, the next couple of weeks too, uh, if there's any other additions or and uh, or whatnot. But um, yeah, we got a couple uh, transition to a couple of the uh, the new or I guess no new players, but we got a couple of re-signing announcements going uh, from the past week too. Yes, we have a lot of three fan favorites um, coming back for the 2022 season. At scrum half, we have Andrew Ferguson. At flanker, we have Marcelo Rainwright, and at winger, we have Johnny Sheridan. So, mm-hmm. at this point now, the Arrows have announced 26 players for the 2022 season. So, it's been a quiet week. It's <laughs> mu- it's months, yeah, months too early. It's, it's, this it's, isn't the full roster. 
But if you needed an Arrows starting 15... Tomorrow? Tomorrow, Derek. So, uh, for Sunday or Saturday? Whatever. It's the weekend? Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, well, it's the uh, Grey Cup coming on, and uh, they decide we're having a halftime show of a rugby match. <laughs> and you need the Arrows versus uh, the Atlantic Selects. Yeah. Um, who are you, who will be I your mean, starting 15? The, the arrows actually play. It's going to be like, uh, you ever watch wrestling? They have the money in the bank thing. That's yeah. what the, the arrows. <laughs> after the great cup game, the arrows get to run down with the money in the bank suitcase and they get to challenge the great cup champion to a game of rugby um, <laughs> to determine who the actual great cup champion is. Um, right. I think, I don't know. Someone's got to check my actual. All right, stop stalling for time. Who, who's going to yeah. be in your starting 15? Um, what, what you don't want to waste time on my crazy the Toronto Arrows are going to win the Grey Cup on the weekend thing, yeah. Um, but then they have to defend it on Monday Night Raw, and then we're going into the <laughs> whole spiral, yeah. That is, there we go, multi talented squad that Toronto Arrows have. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's way too early to be doing this, but um, why not? Why not? What, what are we doing if it's not having fun? Exactly. Um, so I think, I think. Obviously, as Jamie McKenzie did kind of allude to last week, too, the Arrows do sign players and then release them in, in chunks for, like, you know, social media and engagement and, you know, get people like us talking about uh, Sheridan, Ferguson, Marcello, Wainwright, all coming back, um, which are all kind of great, great signings, too. Uh, I know, like, the Arrows love Wainwright. Um, I know, like, um, you know, he's he's quite the popular player, like, on the squad and... Uh, you know, Ferguson, obviously, te- uh, plenty of caps from, uh, you know, the Canadian national team, um, you know, was kind of behind Higgins and Brody last year. But, uh, you know, if for Andrew Ferguson is your third scrum half, you are doing something very right with your scrum half. Exactly, yeah. um, and then Johnny Sheridan, I think, is, is always kind of an interesting, is a very interesting player to me because it's like, especially, I mean, with what the Arrows rosters have been in like the past, I guess we'll go with the two full seasons. Um, and even 2020, I guess, too. Um, it's like he's kind of always, to me, kind of clearly been like a depth player, like a depth winger on the team. But every time he p- gets put into a game, one, he starts pretty much all of the time when he gets put into a game. And two, he's usually great. <laughs> like, yeah. it's uh, he, he plays pretty good when he does get his chance. Um, so it's uh, good to see him back, too. All right. But anyways, on to your question. My way too early arrows starting 15. Um, so front row, I think, and it's like, I think obviously they have two new signings in the front row, plus, uh, Warden as the draft pick. So you got a uh, Sione and uh, salmon coming over from New Zealand. Um, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like until you kind of see them in like training camp or something, it's like, do yeah. you put them into the starting 15 or whatever? I mean, they're, they're apparently they're quite good, but do you go with, uh, yeah. I think right now, I feel like right now I'm kind of I'm inclined to maybe kind of go Keith Quatcher and Roland, but if training camp happens, um, yeah. I'm not. Remember, gonna... this is this is far too early. Yeah, exactly. To it's far too early. It, so too early. it doesn't matter. Yeah, Let's exactly. Just... It's far too early. All this is yeah. going to change. Um, yeah. immediate. This is going to be outdated before the podcast even gets released. Oh, um, standard then. Yeah. So uh, yeah, exactly. So why? Why? I don't know. Why not? Let's go with a uh, Keith Quatcher and Roland locks. Uh, one of the biggest acquisitions of the offseason the Eros have made is that lock. So uh, we'll go, uh, let's go Bailey Cellini at lock so far. Okay. Um, and then I think the back row, 
I think you got to go Della Vega, Rumball, Foley. Based on who we got. Yeah, based on who we got signed so far. Yeah, no, that's fine. Scrum halves. Uh, we have Brody and Ferguson. So I think based on last year, um, I think you're giving Brody the, the nod in the nine jersey. Ferguson will go to 21. Um, and then like the backs are kind of interesting. So obviously, like look kind of looking at the uh the arrows squad right now as it sits to date. There's obviously a few positions that they need to announce some players that are coming back or new signings. Um in certain positions um so it's you do have to kind of spread this out a little bit so i'm going fly half i'm going with kelly right now right uh yeah right now i'm gonna go with kelly at fly half center i think i know i just kind of said for uh sione and salm and uh salmon that like you know it's just uh we'll see what they look like at training camp or whatever i think if weta tafuga is going to be kind of touted as the guy that's replacing ben lesage um, I think that kind of, to me, I think sort of indicates that it's like, you probably want him starting just because yeah, yeah, if, if, you, if that's going to be like your Ben Lesage guy. So I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking Jones, uh, to Fugga and then at, in the centers, which then I'm going to go with my wingers are going to be Sheridan and Mirez and my okay. fullback would be Malcolm. Right. That's kinda- all right. Okay, no, I get that. Base, like uh, like I said, way too, it's way too early to do this, though. But it's fun. Yeah, of course it's fun. Yeah, exactly. It's way too early to do this. All right, this will be my starting 15. You know, balls to the walls. Who cares? Let's just have some fun. Um, I'm going to completely bamboozle the opposition. You're about to say something like Lucas Rumble at fly half, aren't you? Like. Well, you're the one that wants to see him score a drop goal. So yeah, he can do it from flanker though. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I'm saying uh, my uh, front row: Sioni, McRogers, and Salmon. Ooh, put McRogers ahead of Quatrain. Well, oh, Mc- hey, McRogers uh, scored a try at the start of the uh, 2021 season, so I'm expecting him to do the exact same thing again. Regardless of who the oh, well, you just want him to start the first game of the season right now. I want him to score a try in this first start in the first game of the season. All right, all right, all right. wow. Okay, I'm so all right. Wow, all right. All right. Cool. Uh, okay, lock, going. locks. I'm, I'm gonna pick Bailey as well, but I'm also gonna go with uh, Wadden as well. Mm-hmm. Although, then again, if it if it is in the season, I want to pick uh, Cellini because I want to see him get to fifty caps. For the arrows as soon as possible. Okay, so you're picking Cellini. All right. <laughs> but this is just an invitational game. This is the Grey Cup halftime. <laughs> the Grey Cup halftime show, right? Um, post game, money in the bank post game versus the. Uh, yeah. Tie Cats or Blue Bombers. Yeah. Probably the Blue Bombers. Yeah. I'm going to get beat up by people from Hamilton now, though. You're going to get beat up by people from Hamilton just because. So. Yeah, but if you trip the Tie Cats, you really get beat up by people. That is true. Um, Flank, uh, so I'm saying uh, in the back row, uh, De La Vega, Rumble. Then I'm going to go with Wainwright. Go Wainwright? Go. Nice, nice. Then I'm going to go with Cello. Um, scrum half, because he's been on the show, I've got to pick uh, Fergie. Oh, that's scrum true. Half. I didn't consider that. Yeah. We have um, to, that's why I started Keith, too, by the way, because he's yeah. been on the show. You didn't yeah. start Keith, so that's you're betraying our guests on our show. Yeah, well, well we're both betraying our, We're both terrible people. Um, it's okay. At uh, fly half, uh, I'm gonna go with Will Kelly. 
centers, I I'm going to pick Jones. And even though I was considering putting him on the wing, I'm actually <laughs> going to have Detroit as center as well. Um, that might be the wing. take that you've been ripped for the most on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is pretty much. You should. I think you should back it up. Put him on the wing. Do it. Oh, but I have an interesting choice for the wing. Um, so one of my wingers will be Gaston Mirez. Uh, but my other winger, Joaquin Tuchelet. Because he was contracted for two years. So he ha- he's not going to be oh. announced because he's still with the Arrows. And then oh, at uh, fullback, got to be uh, Sammy the Boot. So yeah, that's my starting 15. See, that's where I would bring that. Because it's like... How's the way like the arrows are wording that thing at the end of all their press releases though, where it's like they have so like twenty six guys under contract. They have so how's that worded? So let me know. find is the he, is... uh, let me find the actual wording that they had on the most recent press yeah. release, which was for the re-signing of Michello, Sheridan, and Fergie. Is that the wording they have? is the Arrows have now signed 26 players ahead of the club's 2022 MLR campaign. They're at 26. And the two players that have signed multi-year contracts were Cole Keith and Joaquin Tuchelet. Yeah, but they announced Keith coming back, though. The announcement was Keith. They announced Keith coming back. They still did the announcement. They have it. So you're breaking the rules because I said guys that they've announced. I didn't say that. I said, who's your starting 15 mm-hmm. of players available? And just because you didn't read a press release from 2020. But also, I'm the bad guy. But also, with yeah. Keith in, it's it's 26. Without Tuchelet included in that, it's still 26. The math, your math is not checking out here, sir. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about the uh, trade deal. Yeah, your math, your math is not checking out. I think I'm actually signed 27. Who would be the 27th guy? Uh, the trade. No, because James O'Neill's not signed yet. They just acquired his rights. He's not signed? All right. Okay. All right. So if we want to have it this way. So from his announcement in 2020, Mark Winokur said the following. Joaquin comes to us in somewhat unlikely fashion, but he is undoubtedly one of the top humans of the last decade, has experience at the highest levels of the international and pro game, can play almost every backline position and brings depth and class to our backline. He is making this move for all the right reasons, and we are excited to have him here on a multi-year deal. Now, multi means more than one <laughs> and vague enough to mean at least two. So I'm <laughs> counting it. I, hey, I'm just like, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Like we said, it's way too early and uh, plenty of things can change. Thanks. Plenty of, course, of, things can of course, change, far too early. But far they haven't early. announced them yet and you broke the rules of what we were doing. That's ah, all I'm saying. Fine. Okay. Of they the haven't announced, announced that he's coming back yet. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Of the announced players, then of the announced players. Doing it that way. Yes. My wingers will be Mirez. My wingers will be Mirez and Sheridan. Oh, I was really hoping you'd say Mirez and Detroit now. Oh, Detroit's already my center. You know, let's get to Fuga. Let's get yeah. to Fuga on yeah. the way. You got to stick, you gotta stick <laughs> on brand. You have to stick on brand, Stu. You have to go with. Yeah. And, and there's brand. a fullback uh, rumble. Why not? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean it. Okay. So who's, who's your other flanker then? Uh, rumble. And um, <laughs> the cl- actually, Rumble for every position. On the team, just oh, like yeah, exactly. We, we've been cloning him over the winter, and uh, 
to have 15 rumbles ready to go. You know what? That's fair. That's that's fair. That that team probably wins games. That team wins. That team wins championships. Yeah. You you will literally never have the ball. It will be stolen at every break. Of course. You yeah, have, and that's that that's the team that cashes in money in the bank and wins the great cup. That's, wins the great. That's how it happens. I don't make the rules. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. A, a slight tangent. Do, do you have a great cup prediction for this weekend? Um, Since we are kind of chatting about it here. I think that. I honestly thought that the Argos would have beaten um, the Thai Cats, but obviously I was proven See, wrong about the, that. You're too new to the CFL to, to know that it's like the, the Argos will choke. Yeah. The, the Argos will choke. That's fair. That's fair. I Although say I that do... fact, I think they have the most Grey Cups in history. Yeah, they have the most, they have they the have most, the most Grey, grey Cups, cups in history. Also... But recent memory is that yeah. uh, they will find a way to lose a game somehow. Well, well that's like the they thing. Did. Is... They didn't even, not, yeah. not even a touchdown in the East Final exactly. at home. So, Brutal. I think home advantage plays well for Hamilton. Yeah. That said, the Blue Bombers have been the strongest team in the CFL this season. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe home advantage will bring Hamilton to ho- host the Grey Cup at home. If that does happen, I don't know if there's enough alcohol in Hamilton to celebrate that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're going to be bringing it back to uh, Queens because we still need to talk about the Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship of 2021. Mm. Um, So this was hosted uh, by the Toronto Arrows and it was presented on the Rugby Network. So if you haven't seen it already, you can watch all the footage there, all the matches, all the highlights. Um, But we may be spoiling the result by now. Um, the winners taking their third gold Dude, of the CUMRC. I have a slight question. Do spoiler warnings really apply to sports? Well, yeah. Don't you ever get home from a long day at work and uh, turn on the news and say, here's the sports, and uh, if you support any of these teams, uh, maybe no. step out of the room for a moment? No, no. I don't think sport. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if this is a hot take or whatever. Spoiler warnings should not apply to sports. A spoiler warning should not apply to things that happen in real life and real time. Like spoiler warnings for a movie or a TV show, I get. Because it's like not everybody watches that at the same time. You don't want to like ruin it for everybody. But it's like it's a, a sport is a thing that actually happens. Yeah, so like, I suppose. You've had two weeks to watch this game, too, if you have. Yeah. But it's like I was kind of pictured like I guess my argument for like spo- spoiler warnings, like I've always remembered like. I guess like I was working downtown Toronto um, like during the Raptors playoff run uh, when they won uh, when they won the championship in 2019. Right. And it was like there were some times where it's like I couldn't necessarily watch the game because I was working. But it's like when I left work and I was like, oh, people are celebrating. The Raptors must have win. I didn't like leave work being like, you guys, hey, you guys can't spoil this game for me. Because I was at work. And it's like, I wasn't like leaving being like, oh, I wonder why people are jumping on buses right now. I'm like, oh, I'm assuming the Raptors won. It's a real life thing. People react to it in real time. Sports do not deserve spoiler warnings. All right. You, all right. Yeah, all right. I get your point. Come on. All right. So the hosts were Queen's University. They won the bronze medal. Um, taking runner up was Uvic with the silver. And claiming their third gold to the surprise of no one really was. You, you didn't. Uh, you didn't pick them when we asked. 
Did yeah, because you, you picked them, and I had to pick another team. So, so well, you can anyway. Agree so the Thunderbirds of UBC. I gotta say, the Toonie, the Looney. Yeah. Whatever we used, I think we used the Looney. This the Looney, the Looney was Looney. super controversial. Though, the so. the Looney was nowhere near as good at picking um, Canadian university rugby games. Um, the Paladins did not show up for our Looney no. in that first game against UBC. The pa- like, yeah, that was the message goal. got out to them too late. Yeah, it was a tough goal for the Looney. The Looney did not did not do well predicting that. All right, but, now we're moving away but, uh, from the cold oh, confines I mean, of Canada. Did you? How fun is watching rugby in the snow, though? Before we move on, before we move on, what? Like, because I mean, snow, snow rugby is fun to watch. Fun to it's watch. It's not yeah. as fun to play. I don't know, man. UBC looked like they were having fun, especially at the end of the game when they got to pick up a trophy. Those looked fun. Yeah, lifting a trophy is <laughs> lifting a trophy is fun. Getting tackled and a ball getting passed around and suddenly feeling ten times harder. Not as fun. Yeah, it, it, it's always interesting because it's like I feel like um, like whenever you end up with like snow. Um, in the game, it's like snow kind of becomes the story of the game, um, yeah. regardless of it. And it's like it was actually like it was it was a pretty interesting game, right? Because it was like obviously, like I thought the team, I thought both teams in the first half were doing well to deal with the snow. Like there were they were both teams were kind of able to string together some nice attacking phases at certain points, and you know obviously uh, like you know they kind of it went to the sheds at halftime with you know UBC up eight nothing, which isn't. Well, you know, which is like you kind of expect with that kind of weather, and also the fact that they play shorter games to make up for the fact that they have to play three games in like five days, or yeah. uh, right. But like, you know, it's like you kind of expect that low scoring game, but then like UBC just came out in the second half and just exploded, like yeah. just the like uh like the most like dynamic offense you could probably ever dream about putting together in snow. Like it didn't seem to like hold them up that much in the second half, and I guess they kind of figured it out. But it was, and it's always fun because it's like you know there's some really cool pictures that came from the game and stuff too. Obviously, like the uh, the rugby network was kind of having a little bit of fun with all the uh, being covered in snow. There's all the uh, the Canadian the Canadian rugby jokes about it. Um, but it's like I don't know, man. It's it's snow uh, snow kind of makes sports this can make sports kind of fun sometimes. It can take a certain games kind of elevated. I feel like, I wonder if like, cause it seemed like the game was getting some pretty decent traction, like on social media and stuff. And I think, but I think part of that was also because people were like, Hey, look at this blizzard that like, or it wasn't really a blizzard, but it's like, look at this, uh, this game that like UBC and UVic have to play in like in the snow here for a national championship. And it's like, I think, I think in a weird way, it's like the snow kind of gives it a little bit more traction, just kind of like, you know, watching, um, even like just before, like before games and stuff, you can kind of see like the pictures of the pitch. And even even last night, you kind of see it with like uh, that Monday or the Monday night football game last night. It's like, you know, people were like that video of the kicker attempting a kick in like warm up that went like 40 yards wide because the wind just took it and shoved it to the stands. Um, it's like it kind of slightly like goes viral just because it's like sometimes when you play like sports outside it's like the weather can make it a little bit more interesting and stuff and i think i think in a weird way like as much as as much as you would love to see like a final being contested in like you know perfect weather to allow like for like both teams to just be able to like execute and play the exact way that they would want to in a final it's like sometimes the weather does also add a little bit of an 
interesting kind of like factor to it and stuff that does kind of make it a little bit fun too. All right. Well, we're going to leave the uh, cold confines of the great white North and take this to Dubai where we've had the first two rounds of the world sevens. And, you know, considering a number of sevens greats for Canada, both on the men's and women's teams have uh, announced their retirement it's uh, the start of a rebuilding phase, I believe, for the 17th. And boy, are they going through some rebuilding. It's, because, it's, it's a rebuild, yeah. Yeah. So um, because of the current COVID restrictions, there's a few changes. So for the men's tournament, there are only 12 teams. So this was the same format as the Olympic sevens. Uh, in the first event in Dubai, uh, Canada placed 11th, beating only Japan in the 11th place playoff and in round two uh couldn't do it twice they lost the lost to japan and finished 12th in contrast to the blitz box who uh finished first across both events uh in the women's this was a completely new format as there were only 10 teams so there was two pools of five teams each team would do round robin so they play the four other teams in their pool once and from there, they would be ranked, and then the top teams of each pool would play for gold, and so on and so forth. Um, Canada finished eighth across both these events, and um, Australia, Australia women, finished first across both events. So, you know, as we were saying, it's a rebuild going on at the moment. Um, you know, and the format will be changing. For example, Great Britain will be reverting back to England, Scotland, and Wales. So it'll be interesting to see how the sevens take place in the new year. Let's focus on the here and now because we have some MLR trades news coming through. So uh, in a bit of confusion, uh, there's the Arrows de la Vega and there's a new de la vega joining the league is joaquin de la vega mendia who is joining atlanta from hindu which is part of the urba top 12 in argentina um la's uh los angeles have signed the canadian eligible prop and i am definitely going to butcher this name les leilulu ayali makin the most important bit canadian eligible also from LA is joining from the USA under 20s is Taz Smith. Um, keeping with the Gilchrist own teams, uh, Julian Dominguez has joined Austin from NOLA. Uh, John Roy Jenkinson has joined Rugby ATL from Guicos in South Africa. Terrell Pater has joined New England from Auckland. Brooklyn Hardiker has joined LA from the Randwick Greens in Australia. An Australian joining LA. What a surprise. Uh, Luke Bocamp has left Houston and has joined Austin. So another Texan trade going on there. Um, Alex Johnston, the older brother of Joe Johnston, um, will join the New England Free Jacks. Uh, Tavita Soul joins New England from the Bay of Plenty. Harry Wheeler, who decided to join the USA Sevens to hopefully get in with the Olympics, um, was unsuccessful in his endeavors, will not be returning to Rugby ATL and will be joining NOLA instead. And another big departure from ATL is that Mark O'Keefe is joining Austin. And 
And after withdrawing from the league for 2021 to join in 2022, uh, Chad London has also announced that he will be returning to the Dallas Jackals to join them for hopefully their inaugural season. Now, we've got a few new stories that we're going to have a little bit more of a deep dive into. The first of which is a player signing, which came about through unconventional means, to say the least. And it is that Canadian Andrew Coe is joining Rugby New York. But Andrew Coe didn't announce this. And Rugby New York didn't announce this. This came from the announcement of the Canada Sevens for Dubai. It seems so, Derek, it seems to be true. Yeah, it is. However, if I was uh, Andrew Coe, I would be, how should I put this, a bit upset <laughs> that yeah. you didn't get the chance to control the narrative at this point. Um, from what I've gathered is that, you know, he's excited to be joining New York, but again, he would have preferred if it had yeah, been under it's, his. It's side. definitely. It's definitely a weird, I mean, you know, like, I mean, it's definitely a weird thing um, for a weird way for that to be announced. Um, I mean, uh, like, you know, on the, the other hand, it's like we were remember when we were complaining earlier that like Rugby Canada didn't end up, we were like, you know, when we're talking about like, just because there was this period of time this past, like late summer into fall where it's like. Everybody was just ripping on literally every single thing Rugby Canada did. Um, yeah. And it was like one of the things was like, oh, they said like Kyle Bailey played for the NOLA gold. And people were like, ah, no, he's a Toronto arrow. This trade happened four days ago. Like you should have like you should have updated this or whatever. And then it's like and then now we fast forward and it's like, ah, like Andrew Coe, like you it hasn't been announced yet. You should. So it's like <laughs> they've taken it now. They, now they've gone too far. Now it's like. Not updating it on time. Not updating it on time. Updating it too soon. Uh, I mean, it's kind of it's the the gold, can't win Goldilocks the right now, man. It's it's too cold. It's too hot. No, Somewhere in no. the middle is going to be just right. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a nice pickup for uh for uh, um rugby unor- rugby new. Are we not saying United anymore? Is this like? Well, this is the interesting thing. Have they like just the- really quietly changed their name? Is that, like are we not? I've- yeah, I think so. On Twitter, their handle is now Rugby, rugby New York. York. Yeah. The app yeah. is Rugby New York. Yeah. But their logo still says Rugby United New York. I wonder, I wonder if we're getting a little, uh, like when they release the kits, I wonder if we're getting a little updated branding. Well, they, they did an updated branding last year. Come on, guys. You got to be consistent at some <laughs> point. Yeah, it is. <sighs> I, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, it's, I don't know. It's interesting because it's like, yeah, all the social media is just rugby New York now, right? It's yeah, inter- interesting. I don't know what's happening with that, but like it's it well, is, it well, is if they do a major rebrand, hopefully it's on their kit, which is hopefully being announced in time for Christmas. Yeah. Hint, are, hint. <laughs> are we like, I don't know. Yeah, so are we just are we not supposed to say Rooney or you, like the United? I mean, we will. Name? I mean, we're not being paid by them, so who cares? <laughs> so yeah, how do you pronounce R N Y? Rin, re, runny, Arnie. runny, runny. That's still Rooney. That's just you yeah. pronouncing the U differently. Just, yeah, <laughs> we say we say it's Rooney, but it's New, it's York. R New York. I'm calling them New U York now. from rugby. So I'm calling them New York. They really, anyway. I, guess, I guess they they really like rugby ATL. So now they're just rug, rugby NY. I don't know. Whatever. 
Oh, you know, if, if it, whatever works for them. Uh, All right. So we go from one player signing to an entire roster signing. So, you know, this makes a pleasant change instead of waiting and getting like the drip feed. Uh, the Utah Warriors have announced their entire 2022 roster. Now, of course, if any injuries come up, they'll be making signings throughout the season to oh. fill those shoes. But fans of the um, franchise will know a few names that come up, like Olive Khalifi, uh, Mikey Teow, Mika Cruze, Logan Targo. So there are, it's not a complete rebrand, but there are, I believe, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine new signings, uh, including the draft selections as well. So uh, Emerson Pryor, is the only name we care about because he's the only Canadian. <laughs> wow, that's kind sport. of—I mean—that's kind of mean to the rest of the Utah Warriors. It's mean. It's accurate, but mean. So, I mean, that's the thing. They—they uh, they don't have. Um, well, I, I say like they don't have. I was going to say they don't have any big names like. Uh, oh, like oh, the M- <laughs> like the MVP of the. They don't have any big names. They have the yeah, MVP. yeah. I just say that. <laughs> um, so, but some of the new names uh, include like Reagan Leslie, Jamie Lane um, from England at Scrum Half, Neil Saunders, because of course um, their Canadian Scrum Half is no longer with the team. Um, at Fly Half is Mick O'Gara, you know, um, former Leinster mm-hmm. under 20s player. So that'll be interesting to see how they integrate into the squad. And. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, another Englishman, Connor Burns, as fullback. Although, as the case is with any fullback, he may be fullback, he may be wing. That's the thing. when you got Mikey Taylor and Mika Cruze who formed yeah. that partnership. Are you really a fullback, or are you just there, yes. just <laughs> in case? I I mean, hey, Taylor didn't play every game last year. Um, I think though, like it, it's nice. Obviously, like Pryor was, you know, they selected him in the draft, right? He was one of. Yeah, uh, one of two Canadians taken by an American team. Um, the other Canadian was James O'Neill, and he is now back on a Canadian team. So, um, so like it's a. Uh, I mean, I was. I'm really, honestly, really happy that Brendan, like Brendan Sparks, you know, is one of the GMs in the league that is willing to draft a Canadian, and that's that's beneficial for Canadian rugby. And you know, you kind of look at the squad that Emerson Pryor is going to be a part of, right? So he's obviously a young front row player. Um, and you kind of look at the Utah Warriors front row and it's like, you know, there's uh, one, two, three, there's f- one, two, three, four Eagles in their front row. Um, obviously, Chad, uh, Chad Goff being a hooker. And then you got um, Angus McClellan, Paul Mullen, um, Ollie Khalifi, um, right? And you got obviously Frankel Vandenberg is another one of their loose head props, right? So he's he's been one of the better props in Major League Rugby. Um, throughout his time here too right and uh two very uh vuga kodos capped by fiji right so it's like there's a lot of really high quality guys in the uh in the utah warriors front row and it's like their pack did well last year like their scrum um did oh yeah very well they, they, their scrum won them some games sometimes right and it's like well, well you know they, they got the name of comeback kings you don't get that by yeah like there's, having yeah, weaknesses the scrum, but even like I mean, I know it's like context might be key, like con or context is key and stuff, right? It's like that that before the playoff game, right? The last game of the season when they played LA, right? It's like their scrum looked dominant against LA. Oh, yeah. 
And then, I mean, and I say context is key because, you know, maybe not LA's best game. LA had guaranteed a home playoff. Yeah. They could could have not turned up and they would still have had the home playoff. And then obviously LA, you know, won the week after the, the big important one. Um, but it's like their scrum was really good. The scrum stopped. The scrum was great throughout most of the year as well. And um, so excited to see a guy like Emerson Pryor get a chance to, you know, play in that front row. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's like there's there's uh, four looks like four Eagles, you know, four Eagles, uh, you know, an amazing South African prop and a guy capped by Fiji. Right. So it's like there's some uh, there's some quality in that front row and hopefully prior gets uh gets a shot at uh, gets a shot at some game time but you know it's gonna should be plenty of opportunity to kind of develop there um we kind of already talked about andrew co um the other rugby new york canadian there is going to be quitting Nawadi as he uh was announced as part of um their plethora of re-signings that they've announced over the past couple of weeks as uh you know some of the teams that have been a little bit quieter this offseason are starting to uh, make some noise here um and then the in, the interesting one to me, um, so obviously like LA has signed a you know Canadian eligible prop, Les uh, Lou Lou A Ali Mackin, and you know Les obviously like he's it's interesting to see because it's like he's he's twenty nine, um, right, and he's been playing like he's been playing for um, he's, so he's Canadian eligible. Um, through um, his late father, is Canadian, right? Um, I believe his mom is Samoan, so he's actually eligible to play for Australia, Canada, and Samoa. But uh, so he played for the U twenty Wallabies. He's twenty nine years old now, though. But like he's been, he played from the for the Brumbies between two thousand sixteen two thousand twenty. Kind of got hurt, right? So he missed a lot of twenty twenty, and then you know he was playing in Japan a bit before signing this contract. And, you know, you kind of look at it and it's like, it seems like in the past couple of years, it's um, like there's been, you know, a couple guys that have just kind of been found that are like Canadian eligible, you know, um, like obviously like Jason Higgins, right? Yeah. He kind of, he ended up on the arrows and on Team Canada, right? Because Rooney or rugby in New York. I'm going to keep saying Rooney, um, but like New York, they kind of had like they attempted to sign him, right? And then they had some visa issues, and in like an act of good sportsmanship slash you know doing what's best for the player, alerted the arrows to the fact that he's got a Canadian passport, right? So it's like you can sign, and it's like, and then he's on the national team almost immediately, yeah. too, right? And then you obviously you have LA also signed Corey Thomas that comes over. Um, you know, another guy playing in Super Rugby comes over and is, you know, plays well for LA during the season and makes the national team almost instantly, right? And it's like, um, you know, I don't know what Les's aspirations are if he wants to play for uh, the Canadian national team or not. Um, but like, you know, it, it, it's interesting, kind of be like, I, like it's just kind of how many guys like around the world like are doing things like playing in Super Rugby that are like, you know, they're dad was born in Canada or like, no, maybe their dad was born in Canada or their mom was born in somebody like a parent was born in Canada, grandparent. And it's like, you have some of these like guys that are Canadian eligible, but playing in like super rugby. Yeah. Right. And it's like, how many, like how many of those players are out there? I kind of wonder. Um, And I mean, I know like, obviously, 
you know, that's been one of the things that rugby Canada to like has been talking about is like player identification and stuff. And I wonder if there's, you know, as we're kind of looking at this, this transition period, I wonder if that's something that, you know, rugby Canada is going to look at is like how to maybe potentially better identify like who around the world is actually eligible to play for Canada. Right. Or yeah, at least, at least, you know what I mean? Just cause it's like, it's, it's weird. Like, it's interesting to see this, like, oh, like a guy, like a super rugby prop has been eligible to play for Canada, but he maybe has it. Maybe he doesn't want, to, maybe he never wanted to, maybe he never thought about it. Um, and if that's the case, then like, that's fine and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it, it's interesting because it's like, you know, signings, I think like, like less like um, Higgins um, and like Corey Thomas, you know, it's kind of, I think, um, Ross Brody, maybe even to an extent, although I believe he was specifically found by Rugby Canada or somebody within Rugby Canada. Um, But like you kind of like look around, it's like, I wonder how many guys are eligible to play for Canada and we don't necessarily know about. That is true. That are that are like floating around there. And it's like, I wonder if that's something that uh, Rugby Canada. So obviously, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that it's like that should not be done at like the expense of like developing like homegrown talent by any stretch of the yeah. imagination, but like, you know, if, uh, if, it's world an option. Ru- yeah, exactly. If world rugby is going to say like, these guys can play for you, then like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah they're, if if they're the option available anyways. to the player, it yeah. should always be considered. Cause I know there's been talk about this whole law change. Like after a three year standout yeah. period, you can play for another union, which you're, either which born into your everyone either or... loves or absolutely despises this world change. Yeah. But it's but and that's the issue of world rugby. Yeah. It shouldn't be the issue of a player. No, because yeah, this because exactly. this has been a big thing, especially in Wales, because like um you know Gareth Anscombe, New Zealand born and raised and actually played against England in the New Zealand under twenties. Mm. Uh, world championship but when you're going up against Dan Carter you're not getting selected so he um, his grandmother was Welsh and came to Cardiff and uh, now plays for the Ospreys and for Wales as well yeah I mean it happens in every sport it happens in a lot of sports and stuff I mean I think definitely the people that are criticizing the rule change should definitely have valid certainly have valid complaints and stuff but yeah um you know it it is like it is one of those things where it's like you know i think to an extent it's like whether you agree with it or not that's the new rule and if there's players that are gonna like if if world rugby santa player is eligible for you then it's like they're worth they're worth taking a look at right and it's yeah you know what i mean like if so you know it's worth being if if you have a player that's part of your player pool that could potentially play for you it is worth taking a look at and it's like I mean, you kind of look at the landscape now and it's like, you know, like I said, it's like for, for this in particular player, it's like he's 29 years old already. Um, so by the time the 2027 World Cup rolls around, right, like he, um, oh my gosh, I should not have started a sentence where I was going to do math. That was 35. a bad idea. Thank you, Stu. Yeah, so he's going to be 35 years old, right? So it's like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, Maybe in the current state of rugby Canada, maybe that player is not that as appealing, right? Just because um, 
you know, just because, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're clearly, as we kind of mentioned with the sevens teams, it's like, like rugby Canada's fence team is going to go through like a rebuild too. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, there's going to be, obviously there's going to, there's going to be guys that retire before uh, they have a chance to compete at a world cup again, probably before they have a chance to even compete in the qualification stage for the world cup. Again, there's probably going to be some guys that retire. Right. And it's like, you're going to have to, like, it's kind of about like, you have to bring in the, the new talent and stuff. So I'm not necessarily saying that like, um less should be like put them on team canada or anything but it's like it does just kind of make you think it's like oh i wonder if like because it's like his his like you know a player like that it's like if his dad was born in canada and therefore eligible like he's been eligible for canada like his whole life yeah right so it's like could could you can you find that player when they're 20 right or something and just be like hey man look you play in country x right it's like the guy that plays your position like you said use that example of dan carter um, like yeah. a Welsh player behind or a guy that could be qualified for Wales behind Dan Carter. And it's like, yeah, dude, you have like you have look, you have one of the best players in the world ahead of you at your position. Like you're not going to play for this team. So like come over here, possible. Um, but I don't know. It's just one of those signings. It just, just kind of makes you think a little bit. Like I wonder how many guys are out there that are eligible for Canada that. Like, I don't want to say are unknown because I'm assuming folks that are in rugby Canada know a lot more than I do. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, it's interesting when these guys kind of pop up in MLR and then part of the announcement is that, Oh yeah, they're Canadian eligible, by the way, it's either that or LA's doing a really good job of finding guys that can count as domestic. Probably both. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the final thing, which is that um, it's been a preseason fixture announcement. And that is that Rugby Canada's West Selects, which will be a combination of players assembled from the Coastal Cup, will face MLR's Seattle Seawolves nice. on January 28th, 2022, in a preseason fixture. Great. So, again, the Coastal Cup is seems to have been paying dividends to allow this preseason fixture to come along. Now, it will be run by Phil Mack, who is the head coach of the Pacific Pride. So I can expect a lot of Pacific Pride players to be in this squad. Then again, I'm also expecting Vancouver Wave players to be in as well. Um, Probably UBC on top of that. You know, a mixture of those three teams will probably be the bulk of this. Um, It depends on how. I mean, I guess it depends on how you kind of go about doing it, right? Like this, there's a lot of, there was talented guys mixed throughout the league and well, stuff, even if they were on well, teams that didn't perfor- necessarily perform as well through the standings. But Well, this is what they say. So the Canada West Selects will feature a 23-player roster out of a talent pool of roughly 245 athletes. So that's more than 10 athletes per position. Um, yeah. When asked, uh, Phil Max said, we are very excited to be given the opportunity to play Seattle, coming off the back of a successful Coastal Cup, we feel it's a well-deserved reward for the young players who are involved. Yeah, it just—I mean, it, it sounds great. It sounds like it's just really—I mean, no matter what the uh, the breakdown of players as far as like team representation ends up being in the uh, from the Coastal Cup, but it's—I uh, it it, I mean, to me, it just sounds like it's—I mean, Coastal Cup selects. It sounds like a very easy way of saying the Coastal Cup All Star team. Um, it's essentially who's playing the Seattle Seawolves, which is good. I think the one thing is like, I think the Seattle Seawolves, I believe throughout their kind of history 
and obviously, you know, they've had a lot of players in BC. Um, we talked to Curry Hitchborn on the podcast. He talked about how he was a part of building like the inaugural team. Um, Phil Max obviously played there, player coach there, um, who is obviously going to be the coach on the other side, as you just stated. And it's like the Seattle Seawolves have always kind of had like a little bit of that connection to uh, like BC rugby. And I mean, they've played like preseason games against uh, against like the Crimson Tide um, previously as well. Right. So it's, um, you know, it, it's cool to see Seattle still kind of keep it's cool to see Seattle and I guess BC rugby slash the Coastal Cups and slash all those you know, smaller individual unions that comprise both of those larger entities, um, you know, kind of keeping up this relationship with the, uh, the West coast team. Right. And um, you know, and it's a, uh, it's a good, it'll hopefully the other thing that's obviously kind of interesting being a preseason game and stuff. It's like, I think you kind of said, Stu, it's like guys get hurt in training guys get hurt in training camp guys get hurt in preseason games. I think, you know, because of that too, it's like, for a lot of these guys that are playing in the coastal cup, it's like, Hey, maybe it's your like one last shot to impress an MLRT to like in a game against an MLRT. Right. And yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like maybe a, a late shot at earning a, earning a contract for the season too. Right. So I'm sure it'll be uh, for the guys in the coastal cup and stuff. I'm sure it'll be a uh, plenty to play for. Um, and uh, excited to see who, uh, who ends up on that roster too. Right. Well, there doesn't seem to be a lot of rugby going on this weekend. Obviously, the Sevens has um, come to an end until the new year. And it is the Champions and Challenge Cups. That means there will be no URC or no Premiership. So, in previous years, the Champions and Challenge Cup has been on the zone. Um, we haven't got a confirmation of that this year. However... If you are desperate to see certain games and you want to ensure that you can see it, you can always pay on epcr.tv to catch those European games. Well, Derek, I believe that's it for this week. If you enjoy listening and watching our episodes, you can listen to our previous episodes on Spotify or Anchor FM. If you'd like to watch the episodes, you can watch our backlog of episodes on YouTube. And if you want to interact with us on social media, if you want to give uh, your reviews on uh, how well we're doing, you can find us on all social media platforms at LaRouge Rugby. Uh, if you want to meet Derek and speak to him, where can they find you on social media? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if people can like physically meet and speak to me throughout social media, but uh... Oh, you're just part of the metaverse, Derek. Yeah. Get with the go. times, man. There we go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I was going to say, you must know some social media websites that I do not know about. Um, I guess if you can randomly run into me, if you're walking around Oshawa, I guess, um, maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. Um, I uh, So if to contact me on social media, though, it's at Reset the Jet on across all social media platforms. Uh, B-R-E-S-S-E-T-T-E. Um, if you're listening, if you are watching this, it's just written on the screen right now. So you can just look at it. Um, yeah, it's so convenient. Yeah, exactly. This is why you need to watch us on YouTube. Yeah. You watch on YouTube, watch, listen on Spotify, um, Apple, um, listen, you know, all the big ones. And 
it's uh and also i feel like the one thing we always neglect to mention Stu, because i'm going to throw this back to you and you're going to say your your social medias and how the a in your name is actually a four and mm-hmm. all that uh fancy fancy way you have your twitter handle written um we always forget to mention that we have an email address too which is that is true larouge rugby at gmail.com so uh feel free to reach out to that as well and uh yeah leave a review subscribe as i said it's 100 episodes man if you enjoy this tell your friends about it um you know if you really enjoy this tell your enemies about it too maybe it'll (laughs) be a bonding thing that brings you together after um and now yeah Stu, now your social media things Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman. Uh, if you're watching this, you can obviously see how it's spelled below. But if you're listening to it, it's spelled H, the number four, R-D-M-A-N. And if you're a person that is involved in rugby within Canada, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. I just said that. <laughs> I know, I'm, reiter- I'm reiterating it. Okay, fine. I'll let you do it. Yeah. You know, because... You know, it, it's one thing of being signed up to a mailing list and another thing of actually having people on the podcast. Yeah. Well, so if you are involved in Rugby Canada and you have a story that you want to tell us, please email us again. That email is Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, I think that's it for our episode. Derek, as always, thank you for joining me and thank you for joining us. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>